So today we're starting in on a few episodes discussing sexual assault and predation in the conservative evangelical church of America. That definitely involves a trigger warning. Um, this episode is going to cover, it's, it's going to cover disturbing material. Sexual assault is just disturbing. So take your time, take breaks, or maybe don't listen to this one. <laughs> First episode of the Salty Lot podcast. Very exciting. Um, I'm super excited. <laughs> uh, I'm Melissa. I grew up in non-denominational and Baptist churches, and I am currently a baby Episcopalian, and I love that for me. Liz, how about you next? Oh, um, I'm Elizabeth or Liz, um, either one. And I, in my early childhood, I was independent fundamental Baptist. Then we switched to, which is kind of complicated, but then we switched to uh, Presbyterian Church of America, PCA, the conservative branch of Presbyterianism. And then in 2018, I switched to the Four Seas denomination, which is a super tiny, almost non-denominational denomination. And then in 2020, I fully switched over to non-denominational um, with kind of a circle back around to now I'm attending an evangelical free church or e-free um, but I still identify as non-denominational. I don't fall into any of the uh, traditional boxes and categories that denominations tend to have. <laughs> yeah, El. Um, yeah, El. I grew up at an Assemblies of God church or in the Assemblies of God denomination. Uh, never quite fit in. Didn't realize why. And then I think when I was eight or nine, we found out that we were actually Jewish on my mom's side. And for me, even as a kid, I was like, oh, that makes sense. This is why I don't fit in with these people. <laughs> so then we started kind of doing both of going to the AG church. I grew up with Eastside. Um, yes, I did follow that stereotypical PK life, you know, the bad one. Um, did that for a little while. I left the one AG church, went to different AG church, was a kids associates pastor. Once again, never felt like I fit in to the group. And I didn't realize if it was like a me thing or as a church or whatever else. Then my family and I left the AG, went non-denominational, still never felt like I fit in anywhere and didn't really connect to any of it. And then finally I realized it's not the church or churches. It's not me. It's not the people. I don't believe any of this. And I was kind of living that, well, maybe if I keep acting like I believe it, I'll eventually believe it. And every time people would be like, well, you know, and sometimes you feel this or you feel this. I'm sitting in the corner going, I don't feel anything, but I don't fit in. I don't like this. COVID happened. Finally, it's like, you know what? I'm converting back into this completely. And I tell people all the time, I am in between a conservative Jew and a reformed Jew. Go to either side. I hope that uh, you guys are having clearer speech, especially on your end, Yael, than me. I'm getting a little bit breaky up, so <sighs> may the internet be kind. All right, so um, this is just a brief overview of who we are. Um, we all have come out of conservative to varying levels, evangelicalism, and we really like to yell about things. <laughs> 
we're really angry about a lot of things. Uh, ergo the salty lot. Um, more salt than Lot's wife. So, yeah. Um, the purpose of this podcast is just to examine some of the beliefs that we were brought up in, also share some of the things that we've learned and left. Obviously, we ended up in three very different places. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's basically the salty lot. That's us. Oh, go ahead, Liz. Yeah. How long have we all been friends? Like, I, I don't even remember. Well, you and like, I became friends when you got married. So when did you get married? It's been two years now, almost three. Uh, 2020, yeah. So like yeah. right about two years probably then. I very yeah. remember meeting both of you because I got put in that really conservative Christian group. And I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> I mean, fair. <laughs> so we did all meet by joining a conservative Christian singles group uh which led to some really great friendships obviously um also kind of at least for me very largely contributed to my journey on being extra salty but i mean i am very grateful for that one mutual friend of ours for putting me in the group otherwise i never would have met the awesome people i know like you two and my cousin liz's husband josh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of the thing, isn't it? Like there are really good people in this deep conservative evangelical belief system. And I mean, heck, I was one of them. Um, but <laughs> there are some really good people. And then there's just some really um, fascinating people you're just kind of like okay oh my god okay. so, many, so many or me being the jewish person i don't know why but my mind always goes to either you're safe or i need to watch my back and i think being in that one group i was like okay there's like 10 safe people 50 that i'm like i don't know what side of fence you're on and literally hundreds more i'm like please go away just go away <laughs> Well, even just like being a woman in that space, like you don't know who, who has your back or not. Jordan is not from, Jordan's not even like conservative, his church. I mean, they are but like compared, it's, it's, it, he's, he's the weird one in his family too. So it works out. <laughs> but speaking of women in, in that space, um, so we're going to have seasons, this particular season, we're focusing on a lot of the misogyny, the sexual assault that is rampant in these spaces. Um, and some of the teachings that encourage this stuff to flourish. Um, ouch, Janie girl, my cat is attacking me with her claws. So sexual assault, just a couple, few weeks ago, the Southern Baptist Convention had that massive document um, released. And I just saw today that uh, 
they voted to agree to go with the recommendations of the external reviewing group. And I'm like, why was this a vote? Why did this, why was it in question? Because of this, if you, it can't happen here. I, I think that's the same thing we hear with every group or every church when there is sexual violence. It's always a, it didn't happen. She made it up or we're not like that. Yeah. I saw that posted today on um, Sheila Ray Gregoire's page and she wrote, uh, the great sex rescue has gotten a lot of flack from that, uh, got kicked out of the focus on the family, uh, archives. She had been part of that, visited them, been on their podcast, done some speeches. Then she spoke out against these terrible teachings, these terrible practices that actively endanger women. And surprise, surprise, we don't want to talk about that anymore because, you know, a woman has to submit and be silent. Um, a bunch of mess. <laughs> so, uh, Yael, you kind of got introduced to Focus on the Family through us, and you just started reading uh, some things today. How did you feel about the things that you found? I'm so mad, but I'm also so confused. Halfway through reading one of them, I was like, this is a fever dream, right? I'm dreaming, but no, like one of the ones that caught my mind is, was, or my eye, I can't remember which, which article, but something about what, how to pray for a married couple. And my mind is like, I know married couples. Let's see what this is. Listen. And this guy, he was like, uh, so this guy saying that another guy's church came up. It's like, man, my wife and I are praying for you. Want to come have dinner with us? This man, his first thought was, what did my wife tell them? Immediately, what did she say? I need to come have dinner so I can correct whatever she said. And I'm like, excuse That's me, sir. Disgusting. <laughs> I was like, excuse you, sir. I bet it was warranted, first of all. But no, um, his wife didn't say anything. And nowhere in that post did he say he apologized to his wife. And I really want to write to this man and ask if he actually apologized. Oh, why would he apologize? He doesn't need to apologize. He's the head of the house, Gail. But I was just like, I don't, I think I have heard of the term focus on the family through like Air One or Caleb or something like that. But I thought it was like a, their segment thing. I didn't know it was a complete organization of other Oh yeah, no, Focus on the Family is a huge organization. Yeah, yeah, huge, huge. That's another topic that we're gonna be covering this season is just doing a deep dive into Focus on the Family, their origins, why they're here. Why do we listen to them? Which I think is really the relevant question. Now, Liz, I know you got Focus on the Family Salt. Like, what's the most irritating thing that you've come across oh. them today? <laughs> uh, today, I haven't I haven't fallen for any of their clickbaits because I still follow their Facebook page just because of the like the literal clickbaits. And 
like they come up with the craziest the craziest dumb stuff and it's always it's always like a flyby um but one of the most recent ones i think this is the most recent one that my husband and i did was there's this author who has written a 208 page book every year since 2013 and she took a break it's a woman her name is julie slattery I'm sorry, a woman, and, what is she doing saying anything? Well, that was, that was one of the things because she mentioned scripture in her books and it's, it's a horrendous, it's a horrendous book. There's literally no point to it. All of her books are like that. You can find her on Amazon, all the Amazon reviews, either she reviewed her own book and said that it's the most life-changing book that you're ever going to read as the author of the book, reviewing it with five stars on Amazon. Or people who have actually read the book are like, yeah, there's actually no, there's literally no point in, in this book. It makes no sense. Like there's no meat to it. It's just her talking for eight, 208 pages. Yes. Um, but yeah, so she's a woman. She wrote this book. Um, it's called God, Sex, and Your Marriage, or, or it's Sex, God, and Your Marriage. I can't remember which goes for sex or God, but you know. Sex and, God, I mean, uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and your marriage. And um, she, it, we just, it was I just, just want to like pause for like two seconds, Liz, and be like, can we just like touch on in passing the weird evangelical obsession with sex? Like, yeah, it's, it's weird because it's like, it's it. like, we don't talk about sex. And we don't do sex mutually or, or, you know, pleasurably for 50% of the people involved in it, which would be the women. But at the same time, we have this obsession. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Everything comes back sex. to sex. Like God made sex to like express who he is. I'm like, we don't see that about strawberries. There's better things. Yeah. Yeah. I do not. I mean, to be fair, we got it just like i'm demisexual and without my husband sex has zero appeal like i don't i'm actually like mildly repulsed by it so i think i'm more like on the ace spectrum ace slash demi but like it's just not that great i mean i really enjoy sex with my husband we have a lot of fun but also like video games are fun and um can i interject and significantly um, less fatiguing and let's be real if it's i hate to sound crass or anything but let's be real if it is sex if it is with a conservative evangelical couple it's going to last two minutes and it's not going to be great for the woman <laughs> we all know that uh one of the most, I think, okay, I'm, I'm either, I'm, this is from one of the top selling evangelical marriage advice books. I want to say love and respect. Caveat, do not ever read that book. It is trash, but I could just be misremembering it's a different book. But at one of these books recounts a story of this young bride being told by her mentor, either her mother or her grandma now, just have sex with your husband. It only takes two minutes. And I'm like, and then like, that's, that's like, they're like, 
so you, you, you should really just have pity on these poor guys it just takes two minutes of your day and like i'm sorry if it only takes two minutes there's a bathroom and some kleenex well apparently we're gonna be that level of crass here so i opened well, it up we're down that first time, i think the first time i heard someone say that I screenshot that I saw it on like I can't remember if it was a Twitter thing or some on Instagram. I screenshot sent it to a friend of mine. I was like, what do you think of this? And she was like, How how bad can I call your other entire group out? And I was like, I don't care to say something. She goes, I think the lesbians would um love to present their evidence for why it does not take two minutes at all. It was like, I'm just saying, I've heard things that all my lesbian friends have said, and you guys are always talking about this all day thing. And I was like, okay, but I cannot put that in like, you know, 120 characters. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I need you to break that down. To right. <laughs> right. Like, like, this is wrong. Ask a lesbian. I don't know. <laughs> If we ever write a book about marriage advice, that's that's what we're titling it. You get to be the main author, yeah. It could just be a picture of me on it, looking confused. <laughs> you, guys, you guys write the book. I'm just a cover. <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But yeah, I mean, it comes like I'm finding it very, very interesting as I've been studying and reading and listening to podcasts over the past, is it two years now? It's two years. Mm-hmm. Wow. I feel like I should be like halfway to a degree with all the studying that I've been doing, you know, like give me a piece of paper that says, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just like, just, yeah. Uh, I'm, I can't word because there's so many words that all need to come out all at once. But the horrific teachings that we grew up with, more me, you guys kind of came in on the tail end. I'm older, little babies, um, are, are all really recent. They're all really recent and they're totally reactionary when you place them in history to things like the sexual revolution, uh, to the civil rights movement, the amount of Christian shit that has been done specifically against the civil rights movement and we pretend we don't have racism in the churches i'm just like "Hmm." that's gonna be a different season critical race theory in the church i think what all comes are as far as what i can say i think like the purity culture of the late 90s early 2000s really plays into the issues that the millennial um, people in the evangelical church are facing. Uh, Like I'm pretty sure Liz and I kind of grew up as children in the purity culture boom. But even though as as a kid, you know, being told as a kid, well, you need to make sure that your shirt keeps covering your belly. I'm sorry, guys, five-year-olds, they're going to jump off everything they're going to do like you know cartwheels in a freaking sanctuary okay their clothes are going to come up but they're a freaking kid 
stop sexualizing them. And I think that's when yes. all of it starts. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just the, yeah. Like, so I was a teenager uh, when, and, and I was the demographic when I Kissed Dating Goodbye came out. We saw, we, we got the curriculum. And so my parents had a Christian school. Heavy quotes. <laughs> oh yeah, air quotes. Nobody else can see. I'm just sitting here doing really angry air quotes. <laughs> We're like air claw quotes. Um, <laughs> this quote is so terrible. It's clawing at me. Anyway, um, but like, so we got the curriculum. We got the videos. We had like a school watching party where we like watched the Joshua Harris videos where he's explaining his theories and like his dream and he was really scrawny and his head was too big like that was like a big takeaway <laughs> what is wrong with this bobblehead man um but as I'm reflecting on that experience did, I, I'm going to assume that you guys didn't get that because we're about 10 years apart so, so you probably I actually me. was recommended. Oh, go ahead, Liz. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, a friend of mine. Um, I I was not into like as a teen. I was not into guys, and my parents had this had this kind of like a rule. Um, it turned out to be really a loose rule, and it didn't even matter in the end, which was kind of funny. But they were like, "Don't don't date until you're 17, at least." Like you know, every like everybody in my Sunday school class was like oh boys blah 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 like when they were like 16 and i just didn't really experience that and then my parents were kind of like well you know like if you can if you cannot date as a sophomore but you know like wait until you're more like a junior because then you're going to be closer to graduation and if you actually do date someone and want to marry them like you're in a better position to do that rather than right off you know, like that as a things. freshly graduated high school senior get married <laughs> <laughs> they I don't think they would have actually like encouraged that but you know they, there was some wisdom I think behind behind that logic because there were like my entire so I was homeschooled so my friends were my Sunday school class at church um at that point we were in the PCA and to my recollection like pretty much all but maybe me and one other girl were dating someone when we were 16 and they were all dating guys who were older. So the guys graduated and went off to college. And then the girls had to, you know, like have their hearts broken because they weren't ready to go to college with their guy and or like trying to navigate this whole, he's two years older than me. He's in college. He's having a completely different life and experience than I am. I'm 16. I'm still living at home. You know, there's just, there's so much maturity that can happen between 16 and 18 and whatnot. So but my parents had this had this rule about like don't date until you're 17. So then when I was like 18 and I was still like, yeah, boys are just dramatic and dumb and I have no interest in them. <laughs> like I just I there I wasn't exposed to any guys that I could see myself um even dating, yes. never mind marrying. Like forget marrying. Like literally, like I cannot see myself having a good time taking you out to ice cream or coffee or something. <laughs> or like I mean, going fair. to the movie with you. So I just like, I just was not in, I was not into guys. And so um, a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine, an amazing friend of mine, um, she's much older. She was definitely like a mom friend. She was way older than me. She could have been my mom. Um, <laughs> genuinely, cause she got married a year before I was born. So <laughs> like, that's how much older she is than me. She is a mom friend. She's amazing. 
Um, and I absolutely love her, but, but I was, you know, she was like, why aren't you dating any boys? Like, why aren't like, you're, you know, 17, 18, you're like, you're a teen, you're a girl, like, you know, you're, because you're pretty, you're gross. all these things. Like, why aren't you dating a guy? And I was like, well, you know, like, I don't want to just date around to date around. And I don't want to, I just can't see myself with any of these guys. And, you know, they're super immature and I'm just not into them and that kind of stuff. And she was like, oh, well, you should read I Kiss Dating Goodbye by this guy, Josh Harris. Like, I think you would really, really enjoy what he has to say because you're already loosely following what he's saying just of your literal own volition. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks. And I had a library card. And so I, I read books like mad from, I literally lived at the library. I would walk in there and be like, yep, your books are in. <laughs> like, I lived at the library. And, um, and I never ordered this book. I just, I, part of me was like, I don't want to be walking around with this dating book and then have to explain to my parents why I'm reading a dating book. Um, so <laughs> no, Liz, it's not a dating book. It's pressure. a dating goodbye book. Well, right. But it's like a relationship book. It, you know, it's like a relationship book. So it's like, oh, are you interested in somebody? Are you trying to like learn about how to ask them out? Oh yeah, total trash. So I never, so I never actually read it because there was this like, weird internal totally internal pressure of like I don't want to get caught quote unquote air quotes um by my parents reading like relationship books so I just did not read any books on dating which was kind of good because come to find out all the books that were popular slash coming out when I was in you know as a young teen as a young adult which I had my first date when I was 22 so <laughs> in case anyone's wondering like this whole like don't date until you're 17 yeah I didn't have a date until I was 22 so that's the rule is totally arbitrary but like you don't the, count the really creepy what... date that I had like at 27 where it was set up by an older lady and it was a dinner party at her house with both me and the dude blind date that never met each other before and our parents so I don't count that yeah no that's the correct reaction yeah l however <laughs> it was deep it, it was fun it was terrible it was terrible i would walk out yeah I, I, don't, I didn't have my first date until like i met jordan so we're talking oh. uh february 14th 2019 oh and technically i asked him out on accident it's fine we all have very different experiences <laughs> it's true <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sorry. So I totally interrupted Liz. Uh, please carry on. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's fine. So, so yeah, so I didn't actually read any relationship books. Um, and the only one that I've read so far, um, like to, to completion, has been The Great Sex Rescue. That is the only relationship book. Well, and, and, and Josh and I went through um, the five love languages as kind of like a premarital crash course because my husband and I were dating long distance um, right before the pandemic hit for context. So we were reading this book. He was reading it to me out loud over the phone and then we would discuss each chapter. And it was, it was awesome. Like we still reference that book. It was really good. It's very, very, very basic. Um, but that's the only relationship book that I've married relationship book that one in the great sex rescue like I I have zero exposure to all the trash until I read the great sex rescue and then I was like wait this trash is out there and then I'm like I can't unsee the trash <laughs> yeah, so uh speaking of the trash uh I was an insatiable reader and my parents had a lot of 
books and because we were a christian school air claws again um people donated books and so i i read all the trash because also my reading was wildly unsupervised which to be fair i'd finish like two books a day so like how are you going to supervise somebody reading that ridiculously quickly um i've read love and respect i read most of the pearls books uh which we're gonna cover yeah. at some <laughs> yeah, point that's, like that's the only other marriage book that i've read and we haven't finished it and it's it's a steaming hot pile of trash so <laughs> yeah and i just like caveat to our listeners um i do not recommend I, the level of recommend anti-recommendation that i'm at is absurd um uh, there's uh in the great sex rescue which is a research-based book they surveyed twenty thousand women one of the things they talked asked women was like uh and end up the survey results showed that even just hearing these kinds of teachings impact your sexual satisfaction in marriage and the quality of your marital relationship just hearing them let alone believing them uh so i mm -hmm. do not recommend to read these books even for research purposes well speaking of books i never read i never read i kissed dating goodbye i was given the book and i threw it away because <laughs> the cover looked so stupid the appropriate the reaction the cover just made me mad like that stupid fedora and everything. i hated it i hated it was it the early 2000s fedoras were cool i'm just saying i had three but I was given a book and I read it and I was 16 at the time. Y'all, I about threw it. I felt, I felt like I needed to take a shower. So they, I don't remember what it was called, but there's this guy named Eric. And I think his wife's name Leslie is Lindy. Huh? Ludy. Eric and Leslie Ludy. He met her as a minor and was trying to pursue her as a minor. God writes your love story. You get to be a pedophile. A minor. And that made me, I, I think I did take a shower after it. I felt nasty. And I threw that, no, I didn't throw that book away. I burned it. <laughs> In the great <laughs> tradition of evangelicals. <laughs> but I was just like, reading it, I flipped back. And I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up. She was freaking 16 when you met And you were like actively pursuing, and her parents were okay with this? It was just horrible, but yeah, no, I forgot all it was called, and um, I I grew up homeschooled. When God writes your love story, and it's by Eric and Leslie Woody. I grew up homeschooled, and I know some very, very, very fundamentalist homeschoolers, and I heard one of them, I guess, say that, and you know, sometimes I I can't keep my emotions, to, my face to myself. I'm usually good at hiding Liz, my. Are you the pump. only one of us with a good poker face? Um. Probably, but you also probably don't want to know the background to where and how I learned it. <laughs> That's story for off the Let's side. Just say trauma. It's yes. for everyone. <laughs> but I heard this girl talking about how good this book was, and I'm like maybe three feet away, and before I could stop myself, I literally went, huh? and everybody turned and looked at me. <laughs> it's like I did. I just. It just happened. 
And I honestly felt sick. <laughs> I was just like, I'm going to throw up. And she looked at me. She's like, are you okay? I'm like, I couldn't speak because I was about to gag again. I was like, no, bad book, bad book, bad. And I just had to walk away. <laughs> I mean, fair. And like the amount, like that's, that's another thing that we're going to be touching on. Like the, these marriage principles, the focus on the family's garbage, um, the sexual assault, the stuff that is happening, purity culture, like all of this feeds itself in this evangelical sexually abusive misogynistic predatory patriarchal machine it's this it's a cycle like you know you get purity culture purity culture feeds into um sexual assault sexual assault will feed into marriage because there's no such thing as marital rape in the evangelical. <laughs> so then this feeds into and it's just a never-ending cycle and it's just one of those things where it's kind of like you know trauma goes in a cycle generational trauma is a big cycle and you have to break it to help break this mindset the evangelical church you literally have to break the entire cycle that the conservative evangelical church is in and that's essentially tearing the whole thing down and starting over which mm -hmm. is basically what deconstructing is <laughs> yes oh wait are you sure it's not just because we're evil and we want like freedom to sin however we want to some people would say I mean, have you met me? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people said there's a lot of articles being written about. Oh gosh, this actually kind of ties into this podcast I heard today. It was hilarious. It was a history podcast. Um, apparently, during the Gilded Age, one, a big problem in America was being able to keep servants. And so for 30 years, it was a hot topic in the news media. And they would get these panels of rich, wealthy women and they would just talk about well, why is it just so difficult to keep good servants it's just so hard so hard and a servant wrote into the i think it was the washington post the new york post and was like so y'all keep asking what's the servant problem but you don't actually ask us well i'm gonna tell you and all of these articles that I'm seeing decrying deconstruction as this most terrible thing that could have happened, like it's so terrible. But have you spoken to someone who's deconstructing? We can right. all testify to the incredibly painful process that is deconstruction. Yes. Painful and terrifying because I going through it, I really felt like I would lose my community completely. And I think some people like myself, I did lose community. Like there are people that I used to be really close friends with that they won't talk to me anymore because I did a complete 180. I went from, you know, on the straight and narrow to like running towards the gates of hell itself now is how they see it. So, you know, you have some people who are able to deconstruct and they're able to keep that community with them. You have some that are kind of in the middle, like they lose some friends, they gain, gain some friends, and then you have some of us who we literally lost, like, pre-2020 Yael's life, and, her, like, her friends and all that are no longer with me in the present day. Like, they've literally cut themselves off. But honestly, I think that's freeing and almost a reward for going through this hard process. Because then I've been able to meet the people who are still deconstructing or have deconstructed and they all understand it's not a, ooh, I'm going to go deconstruct today. You know, it's not a happy thing. No. None of us are happy. We're depressed. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it is a harrowing. It is, it is a grief filled 
painful process. Like last year at this time, I was in some of the most emotional pain I've been in in my life. And I have been through some shit. And it was by my own choice that I was like, I'm not going to stop till I know. Like, I'm not, I've, I've done a lot of therapy. So I know that stuff in your feelings does not work. So I was like, well, I guess I'm here now. I guess this is what we're doing. This is the worst. Yeah. But, yeah. It's not fun. What's kind but of, I'm... what's kind of, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no I'm, you I'm go ahead, <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, it's kind of weird, like my deconstruction, deconstruct, deconstruction, sorry, um, journey is like, feels com kind of completely different. And yet at the same time, I'm like, oh, all of this is resonating with me. Um, because I think, first of all, it was like, kind of slow. Mm -hmm. Or it started like at first, it started with like, I was going back through some journals several months ago now. And I just, I, all I was doing was writing questions. I just was writing question after question after question. Does God exist? Is God good? Is God loving? What is love? Well, love is the absence of, of fear. And so it's like, okay, well then what's fear? And like, just all these questions, just pages, like entire hundred page notebooks full of questions from like circa 2015 now. So like seven years ago. And I was going through that, but I didn't realize what I was going at the time I was kind of mm -hmm. blinded to it in a sense and so now kind of to the other side I still don't have all the answers to my questions but I feel more confident in the answers that I do have and I know that they are my answers I'm not parroting back yes. oh well my church says blah 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 or my pastor says or my parents say or my siblings say or my family says or you know my background my culture whatever says it's like, no, 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 what I say is this, I believe this. And um, so what's really kind of weird is I didn't even realize that there is this entire culture of pushback against deconstruction. And until I was on Facebook one day and somebody shared some post by some pastor whose name totally escapes me. I don't even remember the point. I don't even remember the point of the post. There's a lot um, of pastors that who was like going have no on. point, but they'll post. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he was, he was basically taking, he was, he started out with the premise of, I'm not saying those who are deconstructing are looking for a passport to sin more that grace may abound more. And then he Whatever, basically that's concluded what I'm it. Yeah. And then he concluded with, but in a, in essence, they are, you know, sinning more that grace may abound more. And I was like, I didn't even realize this was a pushback view. I just was like, you know, like I would read my Bible and I'd be like, well, the Bible literally says this, or, you know, you'd go back to the original. Um, I, I'm not very good at the word studies when it comes to like, oh, well, you need to go back to the original Hebrew and Greek. Full disclosure, I don't know Greek. I don't know Hebrew. I don't really do well with going back to it, but I would just read it in straight English. And I would be like, well, the Bible itself is saying this. And yet from the pulpit or from the denomination or from the, you know, fill in the blank source, you're actually saying this thing that is contradicting it. And then you're mm. like, oh, no, no, no. Scripture never contradicts itself. And I'm like, okay, fine. The narrative from the Old Testament carries through the Old Testament, whatever. The Bible is not contradicting itself. But you as a person are. And so I just started seeing that and was like, wait a minute. Yeah. So it's just 
it's kind of funny to me, like all these churches too are like, we're a Bible believing, you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then they actively contradict the Bible in some ways. And it's like, huh? how can you believe and teach the Bible when you're actively preaching the opposite of what it says in plain <laughs> translated basic English? <laughs> For real. For real. So, For all that... If evangelical pushes that it's a personal relationship, that it's not a religion, um, there's actually nothing personal about it. Because as soon as you question the system, question anything, like you're going to get pushback. You're going to be told you're sinning. There's not space for you individually to have a unique relationship with Holy Spirit, to have a unique relationship with God, to be convicted by your own conscience. You have to adhere to the group conscience, which is not, it's, it's, that's, that's not the thing, you know? Like I had and, a, I had a friend who said the same thing. Um, Cause I was talking to her and one day finally she asked me, she was like, do you believe in Jesus? And I was like, I believe he existed and I believe he was a Jew. And she was like, okay, well, what else do you believe? I was like, I believe that he existed and he was a Jew and he was like a great prophet, but that's it. I think that's the first time I ever verbally said what I've always known since I was a kid. And she, so I guess I was deconstructing my whole life in a way. And she was like, well, you cannot have a relationship with God because God doesn't love you because you won't accept this. Ah! Oh, and no, I was like, what? It's <laughs> like, um... I don't believe that's and I finally told us that you know I could flip it on you and say well you don't have a personal relationship with God because you follow Jesus I was like you see how that works I was like how about you know it I think we the focus is on the the whole it's a personal relationship not a religion is like this blanket thing that makes you feel good but underneath it Unless this, 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 and this, where they just say that because it sounds good, but they don't mean that. They mean it is a, not even like a religion, it is a set of rules that a man has set and you are to follow them. And if you do not follow them, you aren't going to heaven. So it's not even from God. Um, and I told her, and I was just like, you know, kind of so that's this other chat. I was like, I finally got to a place where I was like, if it, um, if God is supposed to be truth, and true if it is not rooted in truth if it does not come if it's not of truth then it cannot come from the truth and so i finally got to that point and i was like you know so if we all have this mindset then we will find things like oh well i don't believe i could do this where do you see that at well i do see it in the bible but just because it's in the Bible, some of them are not a, this is what you should do. This is a sin. If not, some of those guidelines, like in Leviticus and everything, aren't a black and white thing. It is a, I'm going to say, don't eat this thing. Because if you do eat it, you could have, you know, a reaction or you could get sick or you could do this. But God doesn't say you don't, you can't eat, you know, like shrimp or things. He's more like a, eat them at your own risk, you suffer the consequences for it. And so I was kind of trying to explain that to her. So in a way, I see the entire 
Bible like that. If it's not black and white, if it's that gray area, it's one of those things where you have to decide for yourself, can I do this? And I believe that God's up there like, well, I'm not going to say yes. I'm not going to say no. I'm going to say be prepared to face whatever consequences if you do this. Figure it out on your own. You know, like a parent does. I think we will wrap up on on that very potent note. So we're going to be back next week, um, starting our talk about sexual assault and predation in the church. Um, and we'll be doing that for a little bit this season. And hope you guys look forward to come back and hear some more. And please send us any questions. And send us anything that you think we might have some really salty opinions about because yes we're very <laughs> opinionated and we like it like that okay um so yeah i think that about wraps it up the end dun, 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 dun.